Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. It is a fine Monday morning here, day after the Sabbath, a glorious day. I think the high is even going to be like 66 today, so wonderful weather. If you are tuning in through Spotify, thanks for tuning in. If you're tuning in through iTunes, thanks for tuning in. You can access this podcast through either of those uh, areas. Um, Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, please do not forget to subscribe. Thank you for tuning in. Visit joshsummer.substack.com to subscribe to the newsletter. There's a free and a paid option. The paid option helps to support video content like this. I thank you all who have chosen to go that route. Today's episode is going to be all about heresy. It's going to be all about heresy because what, what, what what's emerging in the discussion of, of the doctrine of God and natural theology and, and uh, ESS, E-R-A-S, E-F-S, uh, you know, the, the acronyms are endless here. Uh, what's emerging is uh, is actually another debate, um, uh, another debate uh, centered around what heresy even is, right? So a lot of the classical guys, myself included, have have went ahead and discharged the term heresy in this conversation um, reluctantly and um, advisedly, I think. Uh, and and we, we've done so within the context of also saying, look, the people that, you know, like Owen Stray and Jeff Johnson, James White and all this, the people who are making these heretical statements, you know, are should not be considered heretics because there's a, an important distinction that we need to make at this juncture in the conversation, I think. And that is uh, the difference of someone who is in error ignorantly. And that has a very broad, wide range of, 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 of meaning, uh, how someone can be ignorant about something, uh, and one who is in error recalcitrantly, or uh, as a matter of being in rebellion really against the true Christian faith. And I think what we have here are erring brothers who are brothers, who are erring uh, as uh, a result of, of ignorance, great ignorance on the topics um, concerning which they've unfortunately ventured to speak. If you read through uh, Jeff Johnson's book, if you if you listen to Owen Strayan and his commentary on the historical context of a lot of this doctrine, the historical theology concerning the doctrine of God, if you if you listen to him try to articulate various categories having to do with this conversation, uh, and and you yourself are 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 familiar with it, then. Um, you you will um, understand, I think, along with myself and others, that um, these brothers are not are, are not uh, coming to this discussion with a with a with a complete arsenal of of tools, we might say, um, and and that that says nothing about their intelligence. Uh, they're, these are these are brilliant these are brilliant men. Um, in other areas, they've been absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I just think that they've, they've made the mistake of venturing to speak on something they probably should not have spoken on yet. And uh, that has, of course, resulted in error. Let me, um, part of the problem with the conversation concerning heresy is that heresy lexically really doesn't have a, you know, there's not a clear-cut definition, you know, that uh, or there's a clear-cut definition, but there's not a definition that would apply to the circumstances we want it to apply to the way we want it to apply, right? Um, so, 
there, there are a few different ways you can you can you can use the uh, the term heresy, um, and uh, you know, I, I guess five of them. Two 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 of the more common ones would be you know talking about different sects. One 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 way to use heresy is to is to use it to refer to a sect that has arisen within a particular religious, theological, or philosophical tradition that has diverged from that tradition in some way. So it's 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 more of a corporate reference, you know, a, a whole sect. This is a heresy. This is a heretical group or whatever. And then another way to, to use it is to talk about that which causes dissension. Um, and obviously when we're talking about heresy, we're talking about that which causes dissension because we're we're talking about something that steps outside of the normal stream of what is considered orthodoxy at the time. And so, you know, to go to the lexicon on heresy really doesn't help us much uh, because the term heresy always has reference to something that is, uh, it, it, it's applied subjectively. And what I mean by that is, I'm, I'm not saying that the Christian faith is subjective, I'm just saying that it, it can apply to, to, to different faiths, different religious beliefs. It can apply to different philosophical traditions. Um, and so it can be subjectively applied in that way. So it must, heresy must be defined uh, in part uh, within the context uh, of, its, of, its, um, of its applicant. In other words, it, heresy must be defined according to what it's being applied to, right? So it is, is bringing this back home to, to Christian theology, um, is this or that affirmation or belief or or doctrine is is it heresy? And um, again, all the term heresy means is it's a it's a dissenting doctrine, uh, something that dissents from the norm. So you really have to evaluate the norm. Okay, so what is the norm? What is what is and and we would we would call that orthodoxy. That's the broadest way to define orthodoxy. There are other ways to use the term. Orthodoxy, for example, we we might use the term uh, in in context of Lutheran or orthodoxy, or or Reformed orthodoxy, or um, Roman Catholic orthodoxy, uh, and 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 orthodoxy just refers to the norm within those particular the doctrinal norms within those particular religions. What what the what the status quo is, what the state of the case is, what the circumstance is what that particular tradition is. That's what orthodoxy refers to. Um, and so when we're talking about Christian orthodoxy, we're talking about what, what it means to be a Christian. And one of the places that, that, that I would go to, um, to, to, I think, helpfully summarize the Christian faith and, and just the bare minimum in terms of what it means to be a Christian would be the Athanasian Creed. Um, there are other creeds we could turn to that that are that are essential. The creed itself is not essential, of course, but the subject matter that it speaks to is absolutely essential. Um, but one most helpful area is the Athanasian Creed. The Athanasian Creed begins, whoever desires to be saved should above all hold to the Catholic faith. So it's it, the Athanasian Creed is concerned with the one faith, the one faith that's mentioned in Ephesians four, and 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 so it's concerned with 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 summarizing that one faith, the Catholic faith. 
anyone and the, the term Catholic was was not used back then as it is now. All right, so it's not referring to an institution. It's not referring to Roman Catholicism. It's referring to the one faith of Christians. Christians have one faith. There aren't multiple faiths within Christianity. There aren't multiple objects of faith within Christianity. There's one faith. There's one Catholic faith, we might say. And then it says, anyone who does not keep it whole and unbroken will doubtless perish eternally. That's the preface to the creed. All right. Now, the first part of the creed says, now this is the Catholic faith, that we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons the persons of the Trinity, nor dividing their essence. Now, the claim of us Catholic people, us, us classical, um, you know, Christians, those who believe in, in a classical doctrine of God, uh, and we're being labeled Catholics in a derogatory sense. I guess if you're talking about the term Catholic as, it, as it's used in this, in this creed, we are Catholics. Um, and, and we think ourselves to be Catholics. But what us classical guys are, are wanting to point out is, 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 and the claim here, is that ESS, right, eternal subordination of the Son, that is where the Father has a supreme authority and the Son submits to that authority in eternity past. This is characteristic of who God is in himself. Our claim would be this, this, this third line of the creed itself that we worship one God in Trinity and unit and Trinity and unity, neither blending their persons and here, nor dividing their essence. Our claim is that to posit different qualities of authorities within the Godhead is to divide the essence of the Godhead. Okay, so a, a lot of a lot of brothers have come out and said, "Hey, this is an unnecessary debate because Owen Strayan and all these guys can find a." a place within the stream of orthodoxy. No creed specifically comes out and condemns ESS by name. It doesn't even, you know, draw out the doctrine of ESS, the error of ESS, and condemn it. Um, and, and so, you know, we need to understand this ESS thing to be just a, 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 a kind of unique... Uh, different position from our own that nevertheless can find a place within the stream of, of Christian orthodoxy. And and we're coming back and we're saying, no, ESS necessarily entails a violation of this part of the Athanasian Creed. We'll look at the Nicene Creed here in a little bit. The very God of very God uh, clause, light of light, very God of very God, uh, is another place in creedal orthodoxy that we would say ESS violates. And we're saying that, that you know, here, among other places, we'll look at another place here in the Athanasian Creed, but, but here, this, this not dividing the essence of the Godhead is, is, is exactly what's in question with regard to the error of ESS. So to come out and say, well, it's, it's not condemned by any creeds, first of all, creeds aren't intended to condemn anything. They don't, if you look at, if you look at most creeds, they don't come out and say, this position, here it is, is wrong. It's not the purpose of a creed. The creed is the purpose of a creed is to positively state what we do believe, not to not to negatively condemn what we should not believe. Right? That's not the purpose of a creed. And then it's a process of elimination. Well, does this position 
that Owen Strand holds to, or whoever, you know, this is how we would evaluate anything. Does this does this particular tradition or position uh, conform to the Athanasian Creed or the Nicene Creed or whatever? Is it is it can it can it fit within this stream of orthodoxy? And upon a final analysis, the answer would be no. Because, and I, and I know there's a lot of doublespeak going on here. There are people saying, well, positing multiple wills in the Godhead is not to posit three substances in the Godhead. It's not to posit, you know, a, a divide in the essence. We still hold to a unity of essence. Okay, you need to, ex you need to give an explanation, right, for how that's the case. And I would, I would uh, opine that an explanation is impossible. You can't give an explanation because what you're doing is you're committing a, 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 a violation of the law of non-contradiction. And the law of identity, specifically, you're, you're saying that you're saying that there are three wills in the Godhead, and then you're denying the isness or the whatness of the wills you're positing in the Godhead, right? That's what you're doing when you're saying we're not we're not positing we're positing three wills, but we're not positing three substances. Okay, a substance is just a thing, right? It's just a thing. It has existence. That's what a substance is. Right, so when you when you say there are three wills in the Godhead, you're saying there are three things that exist in the Godhead. Uh, they exist uh, uh, independent of one another. Um, they they exist uh, distinct from one another. Uh, but then you go on and you deny the substance. Well, that's just that's just a uh, that's just a a, a logical fallacy um, to 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 do that. You're you're just denying the isness or the whatness of the will, which at at the at that point we could just ask, well, what are the three wills in God? And if you say anything, if you say anything by way of defining those wills in terms of what they are, you 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 give them substance. And the second you give them substance, three distinct wills, you 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 posit three distinct wills in the Godhead. All right. This all should this all should not be uh, perceived as an attack. This should be as uh, perceived as 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 me saying there should be another way of explaining the issues you're trying to explain from the scriptures, right? So, for example, Owen Strand looks at, at texts like John three sixteen and seventeen and others, the Son being sent and all of this, um, and 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 his solution in terms of explaining those texts, understanding those texts is ESS. He's saying this is teaching ESS. That's the that those are the terms in which I understand these texts is ESS, E R A S or whatever. Um, but but I think the problem that I've just introduced, namely that you're 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 positing three substances in the Godhead, regardless of whether or not you say that's the case, logically that's the case, um, should tell you, should communicate to you that there there must be another way. To account for texts like John 3.16, John 17, and others, the Son being sent of the Father. There must be another way to account for that. It's not as if the church was totally lost in terms of how to account for those texts, how to explain those texts, how to, how to understand or interpret those texts, right? They were doing so for, for, for hundreds, hundreds, we could say thousands of years, uh, apart from, um, you know, formulating this, this, this error of ESS, right? They were, they were doing this for for years right there there have been there are medieval and pre-medieval commentaries on the gospel of john 10 times over and and none of them posit a a an e, a doctrine of ess or eras in order to explain 
in order to explain those particular texts. Got to have my coffee. Coffee is good. Now let's uh, kind of descend further into the Athanasian Creed. Um, the part that I would like to go to would be... Um, it's about, I guess, I guess it's about two-thirds of the way down. Uh, the section that I'm, 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 I'm in is, if you're looking at the nice or the Athanasian Creed with me, just as Christian truth compels us to confess each person individually as both God and Lord, so Catholic religion forbids us to say that there are three gods or lords. So he's he's denying he's denying there there is a denial in the Athanasian Creed, and he's denying the um, uh, he's denying the error of uh, the heresy of tritheism. And then he says, The Father was neither made nor created nor begotten from anyone. The Son was neither made nor created. He was begotten from the Father alone. The Holy Spirit was neither made nor created nor begotten. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And the Son. These are the re eternal relations of origin, the divine processions. They are not acts of will. <laughs> All right? So these are, not, these are not referring to acts of will. Uh, these, uh, the divine procession is just what God, the divine processions is just what God is in himself eternally. And, uh, they, the, the processions account for the filial, the familial language in, in the doctrine of the Trinity. So father, son, Holy spirit in virtue of what is the father, the father. Well, the father is the father in virtue of his eternally begetting the son. And then the son is son in virtue of being eternally begotten, right? So those those relations are understood in terms of the of the processions. And what some ESSers want to do is they want to say, look, you guys believe in 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 you know this 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 thing of you know this eternal these eternal processions and Father beginning the Son, the Son being begotten, and the Holy Spirit being spirated uh, by both Father and Son. You know what's what's what what gives? Why why is it why is it then? Wrong for us to posit three wills in the Godhead or, or to posit three centers of consciousness in the Godhead. Uh, well, number one, this is the eternally, this is the eternal divine essence as it subsists. The mode in which it subsists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is described in terms of the eternal procession. So we're not talking about a break in will. We're not talking about uh, a, a, a greater or otherness in authority. We're not talking about three centers of consciousness or three minds in the Godhead, three separate minds which are responsible for characterizing the persons. The only, the only thing responsible for characterizing the persons are these processions, nothing else. Uh, the second you posit something else, you, you, you introduce a break into the essence of, of God. Accordingly, there is one Father, not three fathers. There is one Son, not three sons. There is one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And then this is the part I'm driving at right here. He says, nothing in this Trinity is before or after. Okay? Nothing in this Trinity is before or after. So even in the divine processions, we're not looking at a, at a chronological or even a logical ordering of the persons that would give one person priority over the other. Right? And then he says, nothing is greater or smaller. It's characteristic of ESS and ERAS and EFS and all of this to say that the Father's authority is greater. It is supreme. And here that is being denied in the Athanasian Creed. Nothing is greater or smaller in the Trinity. 
In their entirety, the three persons, it says, are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. And, 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 and he, he logically concludes that from the reality that there is nothing greater or smaller in the Godhead. There is, there is no before or after in the Godhead. Uh, what you have is what you have. It's, 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 a, it's a closed and shut case. Therefore, they are co-eternal. The persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. And I, 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 I want to mention this one more time, that in ERAS, the habit is, excuse me, the habit is to say, well, of course, Father, Son, and Spirit are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. But the Father has greater authority than the Son. In the mind of, of Athanasius and those, and those living during the time of Athanasius, we're talking about the patristics, right? The, the Nicene fathers. That would not have made any sense. No logical cohesiveness could be found in a statement like that. And, 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 and today, is, it's, it's not changed. Logic hasn't changed, right? And, and um, you, you cannot affirm greater or smaller in the Godhead and then say, well, they're co-eternal and co-equal with each other. All right. That is an analytical contradiction. Uh, it's a contradiction in terms. And um, so um, I guess what I can do now is I can just turn over to the Nicene Creed and just mention by way of, uh, of, uh, uh, of strengthening this commentary. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light. The classical contention is that ESS violates that clause in the Nicene Creed. All right, And to say that, that Christ is of a lesser authority, that the authority that he possesses as a person, apparently authority accrues to persons now and not natures, that now uh, that, that now that now that that has been granted, there is a there is a distinction in essence or nature between father and son. And the way that's the case is again, as I've mentioned already, what is authority? What is authority if it's not essential? if it's not substantial, if it's not natural to God. And if it's natural to God, if it's original to God, if it's substantial and essential, if, it, if that, if, if, if that, you know, if you would agree with that, those things, that is, if God is authoritative in eternity past, which I think we would all agree with, um, then how is it not uh, accrual to the nature of God? Um, and, and if you take it and you, and you break it up and you distribute it among the persons, you're naturalizing in a in a trifle distinguished way the three persons of the Holy Trinity. There's no way to get around that logically. So so the contention is is that God from God, light from light, is being violated by ESS when ESS says the Father has greater authority, or there are three wills in the Godhead, or when someone like James White comes out and says there are there are three centers of consciousness in the uh, among the among the divine persons. That's how they relate to each other, right? Um. That is contra the substance of this, of this clause here in the Nicene Creed. The other thing I want to, I want to, 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 to do is to kind of make another distinction. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people coming out and say, well, no, you know, Strayan finds a place within orthodoxy. And, um, you know, there, there is a place uh, for, uh, you know, for ESS or ERAS within the stream of orthodoxy. 
Um, and this whole this whole fight over the doctrine of God is a, a third, fourth, fifth tier issue. It's not a big deal. Um, and these guys are not heretics by any means, right? They're they're not positing heresy. What they believe is is fully orthodox. Stop worrying. This is all smoke and mirrors to distract you from the real mission at hand. Okay, so that's been one of the claims made. When someone says this is not heresy, and then they say it's not heresy because, after all, they affirm the Nicene Creed. They say that they believe in a single divine essence. We need to make a distinction between heresy uh, uh, as it's synthetically considered and heresy as it's analytically considered. Um, the, the, the people saying, well, they're not committing heresy because, again, they're, they're, they're maintaining the same essence, that the Son is the same essence with the Father, even though they're saying all this other stuff that would seem to contradict that claim over here, um, it seems like they're saying they, they the only heresy that they would accept would be like analytical heresy, where the words themselves would, would necessarily uh, imply or teach heresy. They're not leaving room for synthetic heresy, where, where ideas need to be evaluated in terms of uh, their collection together. Um, so, so you know, this person, let's say Dr. Owen Strayan, is teaching one idea over here. It's orthodox. God is one essence. But then over here, he's teaching something contrary to that profession, to that confession, right? So, so those are two ideas that that are not synthesized. They're not they're 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 not synthetic, right? They're not being put together. In other words, so that so that's a synthetic heresy. That's 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 a heresy that we need to evaluate in terms of synthesis. Are the, do these two ideas do these two ideas go together? Can they be reconciled? The answer is no. You cannot confess a divine essence, a, a single divine essence, and then introduce a, a break in will, authority, all the things that accrue to the divine, the one divine essence. You you you, you can't do that, right? Yeah. Those 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 two ideas in the final analysis do not do not work together. So they do not synthesize. You know, they're not synthetic. They don't go together. All right. So um. Uh, so ideas need to be evaluated in terms of their relationships to one another. Uh, and I'm talking about particular teachers, uh, professors, pastors. Ideas need to be evaluated in terms of how they go together, in terms of how they relate to one another. The implications of their ideas need to be evaluated. Implications are huge. For example, um, you may teach that, the, 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 that, that God is one, um, but, but then you teach that God is one person, right? And then you still affirm the Trinity. Well, an implication of that, saying that God is this, the divine substance or the divine essence is one person, you know, an implication of that would be something like modalism, that that one person just appears in different modes throughout redemptive history, and those appearances in those different modes we just call, you know, the Trinity. That's what we call the Trinity. Right, that would be modalism. So, um, you know, ideas have consequences, and we need to we need to evaluate those ideas, whether or not they're bad ideas. You know, sometimes rides upon what kinds of consequences they create, um, what kind of consequences they garner. So, uh, with that said, this this episode has been all about heresy. I've used the uh, current debate on over ESS, the doctrine of God, um, to to kind of uh, hopefully, helpfully, hopefully, helpfully. Um, uh, define heresy better, kind of try to apply heresy and, and, and our thinking behind, you know, why we're calling these, these ideas heretical, uh, because they do not, they're not reconcilable. They're not, uh, they cannot be synthesized. Um, 
with the Nicene Creed or the Athanasian Creed. They cannot be, um, yes, they use different words to articulate their positions, but in the final analysis, they cannot be reconciled to the Nicene Creed or the Athanasian Creed or, or I would argue any other creed for that matter. Uh, much less could they be reconciled to, to the Reformed Confessions. Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, the Savoy Declaration, Three Forms of Unity, the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, they can't be reconciled to those confessions. So um, it, it's looking that there's a, there, like there's a stream of orthodoxy, not only Reformed orthodoxy in terms of the confessions, <coughs> but also Christian orthodoxy in general, just looking at creedal orthodoxy. Uh, it doesn't work out. So, uh, guys, be looking for my interview with uh, Dr. Richard Barcellos. We're actually going to record today. And hopefully I'll have that published tomorrow, um, and uh, uh, and you guys will be able to benefit from that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of things that apply to this very issue here. So hopefully it will be fruitful. So watch out for that. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're if you're watching here on YouTube. Subscribe, please.